Mark chapter number 9. <clears throat> we'll begin reading verse number 17. Going to read a couple of verses. Verse number 17 says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and fell on the ground, and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and ran him sore, and came out of him. And he was... And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, in this passage, common event of the Lord's ministry, somebody needed help, and so they came to Jesus. Well, if you look down in verse number 19, or I'm sorry, verse number 18. The father of this boy said, before he came to Jesus, he went to where he thought he could get some help. Where was that? The disciples. He said, I brought them to your disciples, but your disciples couldn't do anything. This boy, we just read, from a child, had a demonic spirit in him that is referred to by Jesus as a deaf and dumb spirit, which means he didn't talk and he couldn't hear one of the afflictions that that spirit inflicted on that boy. But also, it says that that spirit teared him, T-A-R-E. Literally means to tread from the inside. This is the best way I can put it. That demon was doing everything that he could to tear this boy apart from the inside out. And if you don't believe me, look at some of the Afflictions that the father said. He says, He teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. Well, first, it teareth him. We've already come. He foameth. Well, this sounds a whole lot like seizures. Right? Convulsing of the body to where you can't control it. Now, then, goes on to say, and gnasheth with his teeth. Doesn't say at whom. But I do know that in hell there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Why do you think it was a demonic spirit? Well, because it caused the actions in this boy that's reported to come from the region of the damned. Now, was he gnashing at himself? Maybe. Was he gnashing at others? Maybe. But always lashing out. Trying to destroy with his own teeth. And it says, not only does he gnash it, and pineth away. In other words, causes them to run, to flee, go to a different place. 
Well, where was that different place? Well, if we go down into verse number 22, the Father says, Oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the waters. For what cause? To destroy him. Now keep in mind, every time that boy was thrown into the fire and every time he was thrown into the water, somebody went in after him. So even though this spirit was trying to destroy the boy, it was causing a whole lot of damage to other people. Well, how deep was the water? Deep enough to drown him, which means you got to swim. Can't just walk out there and get the boy. How hot was the fire? Hot enough to burn. It means it's dangerous to go in after him. This father has literally put his life on the line multiple times to try and keep this boy alive long enough for somebody to help him. Father knows that he can't help him. They say, we tried everything that I've heard about you, so we went to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. Can you imagine all the times that this boy... They say that during a seizure, the most dangerous thing is that somebody could swallow their own tongue. Sometimes they bite so hard that they actually either break teeth or their jaws. And in the midst of all of this convulsing and all this foaming that this boy's doing, can you imagine the father just trying to restrain him so that he doesn't hurt himself? So that more damage doesn't come. Every day is a struggle to keep this boy alive. Because the demon's trying to kill him by means of suicide, by means of whatever he can do to him. He literally tears at him. And every day this father has to be on watch. Because even though this boy can't talk and this boy can't hear, he gets a look in his eye and he starts running off, maybe towards a cliff, maybe towards a tree to jump out of it. Who knows what this boy's done? Because this spirit has caused him to do it. There's no hope for this boy. Everybody knows what's going to happen. We don't know how old he is, but he know that from a child... He's had this spirit possess him. The father and everybody else knows we may have kept him safe up to this point. But even though they've kept him alive, he still had a lot of hurt done to him. And they know one of these days we're not going to be looking. Or one of these days he's going to get big enough to where he's as strong as I am. We won't be able to restrain him anymore. And they all know the end of the tale, which is what? Death. Same thing that comes as a result of all sin, death. Same thing that's going to come to the end of all of us, death. But, what you'd also notice, Jesus answered after this man had said, he said, I took them to your disciples, and they, that they should cast them out, and they could not. Then I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse number 19. He answers that, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? This is not just an indictment on the Father. It's an indictment on the disciples. The disciples were sent out two by two to go do great works, to be forerunners of Christ into those cities. Certain gifts were given unto them so that they could demonstrate that they were of Christ. One of those things was casting out demons. Later on, you'll find out that Jesus, when they went into a private house, they said, Lord, how come we couldn't do it? He said, this kind comes out only by much prayer and fasting. 
You know what I find? The disciples had a faith problem. How come they weren't involved in much prayer and much fasting? Well, Jesus rebukes the disciples, but he also rebukes the Father. He's not just talking to the Father, he's talking to everybody in the crowd that day. He says, this is an example of it. Your faithless generation. He says, how long, will I be, how long am I going to be able to stand here in front of you and show you that there's a reason I have faith in God? And he says, after I'm gone, how long shall I suffer? In other words, how long is the Lord going to have to deal with people ignoring the obvious, swallowing camels but straining at gnats? They believe God can save them, but they don't know if God can meet the bill this month. He comes unto them and he says, Lord, so he admits he's Lord, but he doesn't think that the Lord has power to do what a Lord should be able to do. Well, yeah, I believe that you're the, the Son of God. Well, if he's the Son of God, what can't he do? But yet notice what the Father says. He says, they brought him unto him, and we saw him straightway the Spirit tear at him, talking about the boy, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? He says, of a child. And oft times it cast him in the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He says, your disciples couldn't do it. But if you can do anything, oh, he can do anything. But he didn't phrase it that way. If thou canst do anything, if there's anything you can do. I don't know what you can do, but if you can just do anything. He didn't ask him to cast the spirit out the boy. He didn't ask him to make the boy whole. He said, if I don't just if you can do anything, we've tried everything. We tried going to the people that said could help us and they couldn't help us. And if your disciples can't help us, why should you be able to help us? Right? He said, if there's anything, just have compassion. Help us. Well, he's getting fixing to do a whole lot more to help them. But do you now understand the comment on the faithless generation? He's talking to the very Son of God, robed in flesh. And he walked up to him and doubted whether Jesus could even do anything about it to help his son. He had heard the story. Why else would he have sought out his disciples? He had heard how Jesus had touched the lame, how he had healed the blind, how he had raised the dead. But yet he's lived with this problem every day. And he thinks his problem's too big for God. He's not there for himself. He's there for another. He's got an you know, altruistic motive. He's not there asking for himself. But notice what he says in verse number 22. He says, But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Doesn't say help the boy. He says help us. Why? Because although the boy's the one that's indwelled by the spirit it's affecting the whole family it's affecting I dare say that whole community everybody knows that if that boy is walking around with nobody with him you got to stop him because he's fixing to do something to hurt himself everybody knows that if that father cries for help better show up because there's a good chance it's life threatening it affects the community if you've got a well, you can't just leave it unattended. You've got to put a covering on it because that boy's life will fall in it. Throw himself down into it. 
If you've got sharp objects around your house, right where normally, under Bible days, if it's in your house, it's yours. What about, I don't even desire it. But if it's available, that boy might grab it and try and do himself harm with it. Changes everything. In the, he says, help us. Have compassion on us. Show us mercy. Notice he's not very specific in what he desired from God. Faith is specific. True faith is not, well, Lord, I pray that you'd do whatever your will is. That's not faith. True faith is believing that God's will exists and then desiring to know it specifically and then praying that that specifically happens and nothing else. That's true faith. Doesn't the Bible say that the Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth? Well, even if that truth don't make sense to the flesh, faith says, I want that thing that I don't understand specifically. You know how many people came to Jesus not knowing what Jesus was going to do? But yet, let's take them four men that carried their lame friend tore the roof off of that house. They knew Jesus could make that man whole. They didn't know how. They didn't know what his, he was going to be like afterwards. But they were purposed and believed it so much that they tore a roof off a house. And then after their friend went away leaping, you know, went back to his own, telling everybody that he could what Jesus did for him, they were purposed to stay and fix the roof. They believed it so much that they said, we're getting that guy to Jesus no matter what. They knew what the will of God was, which was to make that boy whole. And you know what their faith did? It did everything to do within their power to get him to Jesus. It wasn't just, well, we'll stand here outside and see if he touches them on the way out. No, no, no. This guy needs to see Jesus now. And they believed it. And they lived it. True faith is not, a, well, Lord, if there's anything you can do to help us, of course he can do something to help you. He's the Lord. He's God. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. His thrones are in the side of the Lord. Everything is beneath him. It's nothing for him to say the word, and it'll be done. Why? Because he said the word, and then the light came on. Then he said the word, and all creation came into existence. So just a word from the Lord is enough. Well, <coughs> look, if you will, verse number 24. I'm sorry, verse number 23. Jesus said unto the Father, If thou canst believe... All things are possible to him that believeth. What did I just say? That it's not possible because of your faith. It's possible because of who you put your faith in. Your faith is a byproduct of the fact that you have realized a little bit about God and believe it to be true. Is it any wonder that the Bible says, and how shall they, you know, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and how shall they hear without a preacher? What causes faith? You hear more about God and in your heart the spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that that's true and you believe it so much that you make it a part of the way that you live that is faith nowhere in that equation do you find proof faith is the essence of things hoped for or the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen you know what faith is there's no proof but yet you believe it anyway why? Because a still small voice down here spoke to you and said it was true. 
We've never seen them, never heard them, never met somebody that's seen them or heard them or had, you know, an event from the Bible, somebody that's recorded. I've never seen, you know, blind Barabbas stand up and say, hey, I was there today, Jesus touched me. Now they're all long in glory. But you know what I have seen? I've seen what God's done for me. I've seen the evidence in other people's lives that they said that he touched them and then they's a whole lot different afterwards. Not different as the world can make, different as only God can make. It stuck, it was real. Because they became what this Bible says that they would become if God became a part of their life. There's still evidence today, but true faith is that there's no evidence. The evidence comes after the faith. You believe God because He's God, and then God proves Himself. It's not the other way around. God doesn't give you the roadmap. God doesn't tell you how He's going to do it. God doesn't give you in, you know, a little private revelation on how this thing in your life is going to work out in just a way that you're going to be okay with it. No. You believe that He can, and then whether He does or not, you still believe. Verse number 23. If thou canst believe. If. You know what that's the beginning of? An if and then statement. You know what those are also referred to as? Promises. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now I can believe all day long for you, but until you start believing... God's not going to pick up in your life. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You know what I believe happened in this situation? I believe that that spirit, verse number 24, it says it straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou in my unbelief. Okay? Soon as his spirit came before Jesus, what happens? Look at verse number 20. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, who's that? When the boy or that spirit saw Christ. It says, when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. That spirit knew who Jesus was. You know what I believe? I believe because that spirit knew who Jesus was, he cried out in that boy's mind, oh no, that's the Lord. I believe the boy knew who Jesus was. There was no doubt between them. They believed that was Christ. Where was the lack of faith? With the Father. I believe that boy knew that that, that man, even though he would never seen him, even though he was deaf because of the spirit he had never heard the name of Jesus before he was dumb he couldn't talk and ask the Lord to help him all he could do was cry out in pain and hope that the Lord had mercy on him but I believe that that boy knew and believed that Jesus could help him why because it says all things are possible to him that believeth I can't believe hard enough for God to do something for you. You know who I can believe and it'll have an impact on? Me. 
Now, I know that we believe that God can save other people. That's true. And we can pray that God will arrange the events to bring about an occasion for them to get saved. But until that person believes, they're not going to get saved. That's just Bible. I believe that God's able to save everybody on that map over yonder. Just because I believe it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Collectively, as a church, I believe that this is the candlestick for Florence, Kentucky. I would, in my flesh, right, go around and start canceling a bunch of places that don't use this book. Because I believe it so much. But that's not the will of God. Why? Because if it was, I'd have done it already. Y'all think I'm crazy, but God says it. I'm just crazy enough to do it. But just because I believe it doesn't mean that it's going to happen like that. You know who has to start believing? The community. You know why God gives us the light? To go out there and to shine it. Why? So that others see it. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, as I've already said. How shall they hear without a preacher? They need somebody to go and tell them. Doesn't say that the pastor or the Sunday school teacher, how shall they hear without a kid? No. A preacher is somebody that goes out and tells proclaims somebody go out and just extol the virtues and the glories of God and everything that they've done in their life once they hear then they can start to believe but I can only believe to help me my belief will not cause somebody else to get saved my belief may move the heart of God to bring about another occasion for them to believe but as much as I believe, I can't save somebody else. As much as I believe, I can't take a burden off of your shoulders. You've got to believe that God can take that burden from you. As much as I believe, Brother Ray, I can't believe hard enough to take away a bad day out of Brother Ray's book. The bad day may have to come, but only your belief can help you in that, in that bad day. Don't know why I just saw this. But thankfully, only my belief can have an effect. Well, let's look at Job. Regardless of what everybody else thinks, only your faith impacts what God does between you and him. Everybody around Job thought Job sinned against God. Didn't make it true. Everybody around him thought that God was punishing Job. Didn't make it true. They believed it so much that they came to rebuke Job in a very kind way. But they tried to show him the error of his ways. Their belief didn't impact what was going on between God and Job. Job's wife believed he should die. He didn't die. She said, curse God and die. She wanted his misery and his suffering to end. But thankfully, her belief didn't have an impact on what was going on between Job and God. You know whose belief mattered in Job's situation? Job's. And that was it. The great reality is that a lot of people think this father, I'm sure, originally thought, well, if he's deaf, we may be able to teach him how to sign language, communicate non-verbally. He's dumb, he can't talk, he can't hear, how are we going to teach him? 
Well, it may have to be visually. Go out and show them a cup of water. That's water. Show them a color and give them a sign for what that color means. On and on and up. But then they realized something more was going on. He wasn't just deaf and he wasn't just dumb. He was subject to things that normal people weren't subject to. All the doctors said, we've seen something like that, but it's it, not quite like this. We've seen a seizure, and that's worse than a seizure. We've seen afflictions that people say that they feel like they're being torn apart, but that boy actually looks like he's being torn apart from the inside out. We've never seen somebody try to kill themselves so often. He had enough spirituality that somewhere in his life he got to somebody that said, that's an evil spirit. Well, what do we do with it? I don't know, but that's an evil spirit. He believed that God was able to help this problem. Why else would he have shown up to Jesus? He believed that God was able... But by the time he gets there, he's been through so much that his faith has waned. Don't look down his nose at him. Y'all been to so many math classes that you understand that when the checkbook says you've got this much and the bills are more than that, that you start looking for loans and, and when it all falls through, oh no, what are we going to do? I know the one that has all the coffers and glory. But yet because in your mind you believe what, there's no way that I can get that in time to pay all those bills. That may be true. But the reason it may be true is because God wants to make a way for you to receive it. Because if it was possible for you to do it, nobody would believe that God did it. You say, well, Brother Jordan, we live in a very fast-paced world. True. That's not God's fault. That's man's fault. But God can move just as fast-paced as anybody else. I mean, he made everything in six days and then took a day off. God's pretty fast-paced. We're going to just study all the things that happened in seven years during the Great Tribulation of the book of Revelation. God gets a whole lot done in a little bit of time. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. God can do a whole lot in a short amount of time. But we move so fast-paced that our focus gets off of God and we forget what God can do. We know He's God. I mean, verse number 17, the Father cries out, Master, I brought, my, I brought unto thee my son. What's He called him? Lord. Master. One that's greater than I am. Well, if he's greater than you, how come he can't do what you can't do? In other words, if he's bigger than I am, surely he can do more than I can. That's little itty-bitty faith. Right? That doesn't take much to believe God's capable of more than what we are. But see, because we live in a world where you want to get all the information up front. You want to know where your food was cooked at. You want to know where the farmer lives that provided the food. You want to know what the pig ate. You want to know what medicine the cow took and whether or not it was on these goofy antibiotics that, you know, gave other things, all this. It's food, eat it. 
You know what I believe? I believe that if God allowed it to be on the plate in front of me, it's for my betterment, not for my hurt. And if I get sick from it, it's the will of God for some reason. You say, that's silly, Brother Jordan. No, I read in the Bible that as long as we give God thanks for it, that it's for our betterment. As long as we give credit to the Lord for giving it unto us, nothing's off the table for me to eat. Now, there's some things I won't eat. I ain't going to eat snake. It's a very short list. I'm not eating snake. Okay, I'm not eating tofu. Okay, or anything that's vegan. I'm allergic to vegan. Right, and give me as much gluten as I can get because I've tried things that don't have gluten in it and they all taste bad. So gluten's what makes stuff taste good. Okay? That's, the, that's my scientific findings. I'll eat a whole lot. You know why that is? Because I just believe that if God put it there in front of me, it's good for me. There's some things that God doesn't put in front of me that I put in front of me. Those things aren't good for me. I had to stop eating those because I, I already was fat and I wanted to stop getting fatter and then trying to lose the weight so we don't eat them no more. Unless I get a real bad hanker. But we've got an emergency supply. But And because I've got to, you got to eat it before it expires or it's a waste of money. So, but anyway. See, Josh gets it. Anyway. But he said, but our focus is so much on, well, I want to know what the terms of the deal are before I sign my name to it. I want to know how much interest rate. I want to know how many months I get for same as cash. I want to know if I pay it off early, what the penalties are going to be. I want to know how many, you know, frequent flyer miles I'm going to get or rewards points or cash back. That's the way that your mind has been geared to think by this world. You don't take a step out the door with it without at least knowing what half of your day is going to be like. What's happened? Faith has been attacked by the mindset of the world. The world doesn't want you believing. The world wants you thinking. The world wants you to think that you're the one in control of your life. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. But if instead you're focused on, well, I just believe. God promised to meet my needs. You know what that means? Even on the worst day, if God takes everything away from me, if I'm in the will of God, God's going to give me three meals. Well, he's going to give me food. doesn't say three meals a day. He's not the Navy. Don't get a cotton three meals a day. I may get one meal that caused me the last 40 days off of it. That's what happened to Elijah. But whatever God gives me is what I need. He'll not see me go for one. Well, if you believe that, I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care how the world says things are supposed to work. I know how God works. You know how God works? In ways that are above our ways. In ways that are above finding out. So instead of trying to find it out, I just focus on, well, Lord, what do you want to happen in my life? And I believe that's what I need. And I believe you're able to do it. I believe that that boy believed, but the father was the one that didn't believe because of the father's unbelief follow with me here I believe that boy had to go through more hurt now what are you saying brother Jordan look with me Jesus said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth the straightway the father of the crowd cried out, cried out and with, said with tears Lord I believe help thou my unbelief 
Now that's a very humble thing to say. Lord, I've got belief, but help that part of me that don't believe. But see, in the moment, he didn't have enough belief to where the Lord could do what the Lord wanted to do. You know what the Lord wanted to do? Same thing for that boy that he did as the madman of Gadara. He wanted to cast the spirit out of him. He wanted everybody to find that boy sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed in his right mind. Because God's no respecter of persons. Go find me an account of the madman of Gadara where it says that when Jesus cast the evil spirits that said they were legion, because they were many. This boy had a spirit. But show me when Jesus cast out that legion of demons out of that man that it caused him any harm or any hurt. I don't find it. But what happens in this instance? It says, When Jesus saw all the people came running, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. What did he say? Get out and don't come back. And the spirit cried and rent him sore. He's giving it one last go. He's going to try and kill this boy on the way out. And came out of him. And after the spirit came out, it says, and he was as one dead. Insomuch that many said, he's dead. Now why'd that boy have to go through this ordeal? Because of a lack of faith. If the father believed that God was able to say to the spirit, get out and don't hurt the boy, he'd have got out without hurting the boy. But because the father didn't believe, because those in the crowd that day, because it wasn't just a rebuke of the disciples and a rebuke of this dad, it was a rebuke of everybody within earshot. He's telling them all, you're all a faithless generation. You know who was a faithless generation? Pharaoh in Egypt. They didn't believe that when Moses showed up and said, our God says, let our people go. He didn't believe. And you know how much he didn't believe? It took ten plagues to come by their way. One which took out the firstborn of every household, firstborn of every livestock, within all the nation of Egypt. And then that finally broke the heart of Pharaoh. didn't say that Pharaoh believed in God. It said that his heart was broken by God. So even after all that, Pharaoh didn't believe. This man believed a little, but because him and the crowd didn't believe a lot, Jesus had to show them how much he was capable of. What'd that mean? It meant that that boy had to go through another traumatic experience so that Jesus could show the crowd and the Father that day that he was far able to do above whatever they could ask or think. Why did this point from where after Jesus says, hey, come out the boy and don't go back in, and the Spirit leaving the boy, why did that Spirit get the opportunity to almost kill that boy? says he was as one dead the crowd all thought he was dead 
People knew what dead looked like and they said, that boy looks dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. Verse number 27. And lifted him up and he arose. Boy, wasn't dead. In fact, I believe after Jesus touched him, he was the way that God always intended him to be, in his right mind. I believe he was able to talk and to hear afterwards. Because Jesus said that the Spirit was the one that was dumb and deaf. Wasn't the boy. I believe that boy was able, I believe he knew how to talk. And I believe that he could hear, he just couldn't do anything with the info that he was receiving due to that Spirit. I believe that boy was, for lack of a better term, normal from that day forward. Because I know that Spirit didn't enter back into him because Jesus said he couldn't. But why do you have to go through that? I mean, he's already been seasoned and convulsing on the floor in front of Jesus. When the Spirit saw what happened, that Spirit started fighting. He said, mm, don't take me to him. And that boy's fighting saying, no, I want to get to him. I believe he can help me. That boy had a whole lot of faith compared to everybody in the crowd that day. Because I don't believe that if the boy believed that Jesus could help him, that Jesus could have done anything. Why? Because of what Jesus said. Verse number 23. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You know why the man that was lame and was lowered down through the roof of that house, you know why he was able to be touched? Because he believed that Jesus could help him. Them four boys that were carrying him, they were telling him all about Jesus. They said, hey, we found somebody that can help you. We heard what he did for this person. We heard what he did over there in this multitude. We heard what he did for Darius down there, the ruler of the synagogue. We heard what he did for that centurion. The one that had no claim to him but said, Lord, you just say the word and I believe it's going to be done. You don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy to have you even step on my property. But I believe that if you say it, that it'll happen. Just like if I tell somebody to go and do something, I believe it's going to happen. He says, you're God. Now, I'm just a centurion. I'm just a lowly. He wasn't even a general in the army. He was a whole lot of steps down. It was just one step up from a common soldier. But yet he knew that if he said something, the soldier's going to go and do it. So he knew that the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, if he said it, it's going to happen. Nothing was going to be able to stop it. But you say, that's a whole lot of faith compared to, if you can do anything, please have mercy on us. See, the problem with the father's faith and the faith of the crowd that day. The boy believed Jesus could help him and Jesus helped the boy. But I believe that if that father came to Jesus and said, Lord, I know that you can help my son. I know that you can make him as if he had never had this demon at all. I know that if you touch him, there's nothing in heaven, in earth, or anything under the earth that can prevent whatever it is that you want to do to happen to that boy. And Lord, I believe that once you touch him, no more harm will ever come to him again. I mean, just the touch of the hem of his garment because the woman believed that it would make her whole, she was made whole. There wasn't nothing special about that garment other than the fact that it was hanging off of Jesus. 
But she believed that he had so much God on him that surely it got to his clothes too. And guess what? It did. So much so that it got from the clothes to her. There wasn't anything special about that garment. It was just like a garment that everybody else wore. Because Jesus made himself a no reputation. He didn't stand out. But yet that woman's faith is what made the difference. Not that garment. Not even the fact that Jesus was the one wearing the garment. She believed that she needed to get so close as to touch him. And she touched his garment. Which under Hebrew, if I'm wearing it, it's a part of me. If you do damage to something I'm wearing, you damaged me because I own it. That's what under the law, that's what it said. So she touched him under the law. She believed that if she could just touch him, she'd be made whole. And she was. So why did this boy have to go through the pain? After Jesus, Jesus did what the Father wanted him to do. Hey, deaf and dumb spirit, leave the boy and never come back again. And then the boy is left as one that was dead. I don't think that's what the father was expecting, but the father didn't have enough faith to believe that Jesus could make that boy whole. Because if he did, it would have been done. If the crowd would have already known that Jesus was able to do what he does after he commands that spirit, what did he do? He bent down and took the boy by the hand, raised him up. And then he was whole. If they had already believed that Jesus could do it, Jesus wouldn't have had to show them. He could have just touched the boy without saying to the spirit, get out there. He could have just touched him and that spirit would have been gone. Boy could have been made whole there. But how do you know that's possible? Because like I said, we see the bad man in Gadara. But then also, everybody else that Jesus ever touched, they's made whole. Jesus made the commandment here to leave, but that boy had to go through a whole lot more pain from the time that the demon heard it and the time that the demon left. You ever wonder why we go through so much? Maybe it's because God's trying to prove to us that we need to have more faith. That he's able to do more than we already think he can. You ever wonder why you look at somebody? This is on a side note. That boy, I've already said, that boy believed. But because of the unbelief of others, he had to go through some more hardship so that others could have their faith increased. Sometimes it's not your faith that's the problem. Sometimes God wants to use you because he knows that you have strong faith. He knows that you can be tested and trusted. He puts you through hardship that you wouldn't have signed up for. Hardship that you wouldn't have seen coming. Hardship that something that may leave you with scars. How was this boy left? As dead. It may do everything but kill you. Because God said it couldn't kill you. But as a result of it, God comes by, touches you, makes you whole. And as a result, the whole multitude that day had their faith increased. Certainly the Father's faith was increased. But as Jesus said, if the person that needs it to be done unto him doesn't believe, he can't do nothing. 
Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I believe that the boy believed. But because of everybody else's unbelief, they had to witness that boy almost die so that they could believe that Jesus was able to touch someone and take them from the worst and take them back and make them whole again. Now, I'm sure if you'd ask that boy, hey, are you upset that Jesus... No, he got touched. He was made whole. All that's behind him. Ask Lazarus if he was upset about dying. No, he'd be, hey, paradise was a great place. And then guess what? One day I heard Lazarus come forth, and I came forth, and I got to sit down and have dinner with the Son of God. Lazarus was fine. Whoever gets touched... It was all worth it because God came by their way and he touched them. Because they believe that the touch of God is what they need more than anything in this world. They need it more than their own health. They need it more than their own future. They need it more than their very next breath. The touch is all that matters. Because once he touches you, whatever you just went through, that's in the past. It's done. It's finished. But he touched me. That's where we're at now. But why'd that boy have to go through all that? The Lord took it all away. But he still had to go through it. Why? Because others didn't believe. Sometimes your faith is so strong that God's going to test it to the breaking point just to prove to others what he's capable of doing. What'd that boy do to deserve this spirit? Nothing. It says it came into it as a, as a child, as a youngin. Don't believe that he did anything to deserve it. Well, what did you do to deserve death? You were born in sin. That wasn't your choice. You were conceived in sin. That wasn't your choice. But you know what was? We were sinners by practice and trade, by choice. Cain and Abel didn't decide that they wanted to die one day, but their parents did. And where does sin follow? Down to the third and fourth generation. Well, guess what every generation since Adam and Eve have done? Sinned. And guess what that leads to our generation being today? A faithless generation. They believe somebody that's just as sinful, just as much a liar, just as much down low, wretched, and a all-around horrible person they believe that person more than thus saith the Lord. The world believes somebody that can't put a sentence together and I'm sure has to have somebody tie his shoes for him every day and his name's Joe Biden. They believe something that comes out of his mouth. I wouldn't believe it unless there was a multitude of witnesses that said the exact same thing. It could have happened in front of me and I believe that I saw it that but if he said it happened that way, I doubt myself. That's how little I consider his opinion. But they'll believe that. And they won't believe a book that's been preserved for thousands of years. They'll believe somebody. I heard this week. I forget who it was. Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Started a Blue Origin company. He said, oh, we're going to sell tickets. You can take an uh, airline, basically, to space. And each ticket's going to be like you know, $28 million or whatever. Somebody beat them to the punch with big hot, like weather balloons that they fill up with helium. 
Yeah, the ticket costs like $500,000 and you get an eight-hour view of space. And you don't have to go through rocket training. They're like, ha-ha, we had a better idea. Right? Well, yet they still believe that that guy's one of the smartest businessmen on the planet. Obviously not. He had a dumb idea. He got lucky once with selling books out of his garage. Right? That's how Amazon started. But yet he'll make a dumb decision, yet people are still going to give millions and billions of dollars to his businesses because they think that he's successful. Right? If everybody knew what they were doing on the stock market, everybody would be trillionaires. But since we don't have trillionaires, guess what that means? You can't beat the stock market. It always wins. What do you say? But they believe a whole bunch of them jokers. But yet they don't believe God. Why? Because of lack of faith. You know why this generation doesn't have faith? Because the last generation didn't teach them faith. In a generation before that, and before that, and before that. Because again, how do you have faith? Cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Not enough people believed that this Word was important enough to instill in the next generation. And as a result of it, this generation don't have faith. Because they never heard well, what are you saying, Brother Jordan? Go tell people. Let the Lord grow some faith in other people. If need be, be the instrument that God has to almost break to show the rest of the world how He can repair that which the world tries to destroy. Because after He touches you, it's just a memory. You went through it, but it's gone. If it's gone, it's not a problem no more. And they said, well, why would God... She said, I'm bought with a price. My life's no longer my own. I'm not worth my next breath, let alone that God would even think of me and then decide to use me for His honor and His glory. That, when faith's not around, remember that. You know what grows in its stead? Pride. You know what pride does? It brings destruction. The Holy Spirit will cause you to fall. So replace pride with faith and instill it in others. Thanks to listeners like you, IBC has had over 100,000 views on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, subscribe today. And as always, thanks for listening.